Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Kia ora, and a very warm welcome to Elemental, a podcast from RNZ, in which we are randomly visiting every element on the periodic table because, uh, well, we can. And of course, because it's the International Year of the Periodic Table. I'm Alan Blackman from the Auckland University of Technology. And I'm Alison Balance. And this episode is about an element that is a bit of a tongue twister, at least for me. Molybdenum, she says, articulating very slowly. <laughs> I bet that's a favourite in those spelling bee competitions. Yeah. What's today's theme for molybdenum, Professor? Well, I think that molybdenum's biggest claim to fame would be that it has an essential role as a catalyst for reactions ranging in scale from bacterial to industrial. And it's a bit of an eco-warrior. Ooh, cool. Before we get to all of that, though, what is the origin of that slightly tongue-twisting name? Well, all you avid listeners to Elemental will presumably remember episode 43, which was snappily entitled Lead. Well, it was only six episodes ago. (laughs) True. And in that, we sort of made mention of the fact that the Greek word molybdos means lead, in fact. So molybdenum, funnily enough, gets its name from the Greek word for lead. Why? Why is molybdenum (laughs) named after the Greek for lead? That should go with lead. Okay, so short story. So back in the day, there were three very similar looking minerals, and these were called galena, and that was certainly known to contain lead, and nowadays we'd call that lead sulfide. There was another one called molybdena and yet another called plumbago. Sounds like reason, a pudding. I know, plumb- <laughs> or, or bad disease, plumbago. Oh, yes. <laughs> so because they all looked very, very similar, so they were all very dark and they were all very, very soft, and they all had sort of a metallic luster. So the reasoning was that because galena was known to contain lead, then they thought that uh, both molybdena and plumbago probably all contained lead as well. And hence, the reason why molybdenum comes from the Greek for lead. What happened uh, in the interim was it was found out that molybdena, in fact, was molybdenum sulfide, MOS2. And uh, the final one, plumbago, was graphite. And funnily enough, that is why the lead in your pencil is called lead, which I find very interesting. All roads lead to lead. Jolly good. (laughs) The vital statistics, molybdenum was isolated in 1781, elemental symbol MO, atomic number 42, which puts it in the middle of the second row of uh, transition metals. And because it's a transition metal, ergo it's a metal, and it's a very, very high melting metal. In fact, the sixth highest melting metal of all of the elements, around about 2,600 degrees Celsius. You've got to heat that too to get it to melt. And because of that, it's rarely made as, or really cast, I guess, as the metal. And generally you get it as a powder, and then you can compress that powder at very, very high pressures. 
a number of interesting facts about molybdenum, but possibly the most interesting one is that it is an essential element that I probably wager many of the listeners haven't even heard of, and it's the only one of the second-row transition metals to be an essential element. Just thinking back to our last two episodes, it's interesting how many elements whose names start with M play a vital role in enzymes. Who knew? <laughs> you know, you've got your manganese and you've got your magnesium. Indeed. Et cetera, et cetera. Yes, yes. So more to this essential element thing. Molybdenum is an essential element for all eukaryote species, and uh, it's usually found in enzymes, and the most important of those enzymes is a thing called nitrogenase. And that is found in generally the roots of legumes, such as beans. And the amazing thing about this particular enzyme is that it can convert elemental nitrogen to ammonia. And as we will talk about in the nitrogen episode, that's an astonishing feat. And this is also the reason why molybdenum compounds are put into fertilizers. And further to this, uh, some people have done an investigation of evolution over many, many, many millennia. So there was a study in 2008 that reckoned that we probably had around about a 2 billion year delay in animal evolution on Earth. This ranged from sort of 2.5 billion years ago to half a billion years ago. And what they showed was that the oceans over that time were very probably depleted in molybdenum. And that would have meant that the eukaryotes, the organisms that can't fix nitrogen, like ourselves and plants, for instance would have been adversely affected in that time. And also, there is a relationship between the amount of oxygen and the amount of molybdenum. And so if molybdenum's low, then chances are oxygen will be low. And so all of that sort of adds up to the fact that uh, evolution wasn't going too well over those two billion years. So vital not just for life, but also evolution of life as we know it. What about those large-scale, since we're on large-scale, like the evolution of life, what about those large-scale industrial uses you mentioned? Well, like many of the metals that we've covered thus far, they're very, very useful in alloys, and molybdenum is no different in that respect. It's very rare that uh, the the pure metals are used for many things, as you will have found uh, following this series. Alloys seem to be much more useful. You make mixtures of metals and they end up having better properties than either of the constituent metals that you used to start off with. An example of that is moly steel. So that is steel to which molybdenum has been added. Very, very strong, very, very durable. And in fact, it was used as an armour plating in both of the world wars. Uh, I presume for tanks. Oh, yes, indeed. Yes. Yep. Also used in aircraft engines and uh, rocket engines. And uh, the reason being that these alloys containing molybdenum don't expand when you heat them and they don't soften significantly when you heat them. So they're very, very useful in that respect. And other large-scale use of molybdenum is in uh, molybdenum sulfide, which we mentioned previously. And that's really unusual because it's a solid lubricant. Uh, you normally think of lubricants being sort of liquids like oils, things like that. Molybdenum sulfide, a very, very good solid uh, lubricant, and the way that it works is that the structure of molybdenum sulfide involves sort of sheet-like layers that can slide over each other. So that's similar to graphite? Yes, that is uh, very similar to graphite. Again, graphite's got this sort of two-dimensional sheet structure where the sheets can slide over each other. Another couple of uses for now molybdenum compounds, uh, a thing called zinc molybdate. Uh, for those of you who are keeping track, that's got the chemical formula ZNMOO4. 
This is a white pigment, and every time you do an undercoat when you're painting, you'll have some zinc molybdate in there as a corrosion inhibitor. And another very, very useful one is a thing called ammonium octamolybdate. I'm not going to give you the formula of that. But there's some uh, eights in there? There is indeed. It's got eight molybdenums in there. Very good. And that is used as a smoke suppressant in the PVC covering of electrical wires and cables. And you're certainly going to want that if you've got an electrical fire in a confined space such as, like, for example, let's say an airplane or something like that. You want to keep the smoke down. We also said at the start that uh, it is uh, a little bit of an eco-warrior. Molybdenum catalysts are used to desulfurize fossil fuels. And obviously when you burn fossil fuels that have got sulfur in them, that ends up as SO2, sulfur dioxide, in the atmosphere, and that leads to acid rain. And so good old molybdenum is keeping the amount of acid rain in the atmosphere down. Good on that eco-warrior. Good credentials there. (laughs) Interesting fact, please. Okay, I've got two for you. Uh, First is a very, very chemical one for all the chemists listening. A thing called potassium octachloridomolybdate. About which I can say nothing. (laughs) 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 Apart from the fact it's got potassium in it, which we haven't quite got to yet. Octachloride, eight chlorides. Ah, yes, again. Mm. Molybdate. Uh, It's got two, in fact, molybdenums. Uh, Very unusual because this is one of the first examples of a molecule that contains a quadruple bond. Now, anybody who has studied chemistry at school or at university will know that there are only single bonds, double bonds, and triple bonds. That's all there is. Well, you come into the realms of inorganic chemistry and you'll find you can get quadruple bonds as well. The interesting fact for the uh, people who are not necessarily chemists, we were talking about the importance of molybdenum in enzymes. Well, there's an enzyme out there called aldehyde oxidase, and that helps us metabolise alcohol. So that's got to be a very, very important enzyme. And cheers to that. So it's a social lubricant as well as a solid lubricant then. And that's us for this week lubricating the periodic table to make it more readily available for all of us alcohol-imbibing (laughs) non-chemists. Don't forget you can find us online at rnz.co.nz slash chemistry. And we're a podcast in all the usual places. Google Podcasts, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you use the latter, please rate and review us as it helps other people find us. We're back next time with Neodymium. But for now, it's goodbye from me, Alan Blackman. And me, Alison Balance. Namihi. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.